Uh, we are glad you're here this weekend. I'm, I'm continuing a series. Uh, if you were here last week, we started this series. I told you we'd been really creative with the title. We worked really hard with our creative team. And so we came up with a sermon series title, Second Corinthians, because that's what we're walking through. And so we're still patting ourselves on the back of how we packaged this one. And so this one's going to be a little bit different maybe than some of the others. Uh, I am preaching this real time. And I am, I am literally hoping I can get through this message uh, before 10 o'clock tonight, because I know you're going to stay with me. So we have no service bearing down on us, so what else have we got to do? And so, uh, so we'll get through this in the, in the normal time. And, and actually, I changed the title on Thursday, which is way too late uh, for our creative arts teams to make the appropriate changes. And, and I'd originally entitled this message, Biblical Leadership. And then on Thursday, I'm like working back through this text, and I'm like, Oh, this is so much deeper than that, and it is still biblical leadership, but, it, but I've changed the title to Leading Through Difficult Times. What it means to lead through difficult times, and many of you are experiencing that right now, right? This is one of the most difficult times. It doesn't matter whether you're a parent. It doesn't matter whether you're a school teacher, uh, a school administrator, a pastor of a church, government, education, health care, public office, you know, your comp, whatever it is, you know this is volatile times. And it's diff- listen, it is difficult time to lead because no matter what you do, someone's going to be upset. Someone's going to carry an offense. It seems like everybody's offended. Paul came to this place, and I didn't see it until like Thursday, and then, then wrote a message for next week uh, in that. But Paul came to this place, unbelievable place. He came to this place, and it would be said of Paul that he was unoffendable. Nobody could offend him unbelievable, and I'm telling you, we're going to talk about that next week if we get all the way through this message, that offense is the gateway, the first step for, lead, for to leading and living a life of unforgiveness to where you become bitter and angry. We're going to talk about that this next week. But Paul had this ability that, that he came to this place that no matter what someone said to him, no matter what someone did to him, No matter what someone accused him of, Paul came to this place that he was just unoffendable. A few weeks back, I was invited to a gathering. Didn't know much about it, but I was invited to a gathering in the Springs. A businessman wanted to gather a bunch of pastors around the state, faith leaders, you know, evangelical pastors, pastors around the state, uh, some Christian business leaders, some Christian leaders in in healthcare and in schools, so some district superintendents were there, some other people were there. I didn't really know what to expect. I came into this gathering. I was, I was overwhelmed with the level of hurt and pain and emotion that was in that room of people just trying to lead the very best they could. And it seemed like no matter what they did, someone complained about them, someone questioned them. See, in Christian circles, what Paul was experiencing was this. He was going through a really difficult time. Corinth was divided, and as a result of the culture, and a result of Corinth being divided, all of a sudden the church was coming to this place to be divided. And Paul is like pleading with them about this issue of unity. When a country is divided, the church has to be united. And we have to be united around the gospel. We have to be united around truth. And this group of leaders that I was with, they started processing out some hurt and some pain and some difficulty, and I was totally shocked. A lot of it is what Paul was experiencing there in Corinth. 
I mean, this church in Corinth, remember Paul had planted a church and he had been there about 18 months. He stayed 18 months. He developed a church. He got the church going. Uh, he left. He left um, um, Timothy and, and somebody else. He left, he left it in good hands. Thank you, Sylvanus. I heard that. You get four, whoever that was gets four stars. You're a bite, either that or you read ahead. He made two visits back because the church was so divided. Made two, tri tri two trips back. Um, the last visit didn't go well. It kind of melted down, so he sent them a few letters trying to straighten them out. And um, all of a sudden, this group of people raised up, and they're like angry at Paul, so they begin to criticize him. They begin doing one of the things that's kind of common in Christian circles. I don't know if you know this, but if, if you make a decision that someone disagrees with, it's the where's your faith group. Really? Really? Where's your faith? Really? If they feel like they're stronger in one area than you are, and especially when it's like a secondary issue and, and a disputable matter of Scripture, Romans 14 talks about the danger of this. Or this is a group that just raises up and says, really? Where's your faith? And so this group is actually attacking Paul. And they're attacking Paul and they're saying, where's your faith? Where's your faith? You're not a man of integrity. You're not a man of, of faith. You're not following God. You've got some issues. And so they are attacking him over his travel plans because he said, I'm going to come back to you uh, on the way back to Macedonia. I'm going to come back to you. And something happened and his plans changed. Paul's going through a painful experience. And Paul handles this group of people who's totally undefended. And Paul handles this, to this group of people maybe totally different than we would handle this group of people. And so I want to give you five things, and this is why I'm saying we're going to get through them fast. Five things with three sub-points, which that means eight, if my math is right. I'm, I'm a pastor, not a mathematician. And so uh, hopefully I'm right. And so here we go. So here's five things of leading through difficult times. And listen, I'm talking in the context of a local church. But these same principles will, will bleed over into business. It'll bleed over into relationships. It'll ble bleed over into marriage. It'll bleed over into parenting of how you lead your children through this, how you lead your family, your organization, and all of these other things. So the first one is this. If you're going to lead through difficult times, then people need leaders must be people of integrity. Leaders have to, listen, leaders have to be people of integrity. That word integrity comes, the root word is integer. Uh, it means to be your life integrated into one. I mean, you don't, you don't compartmentalize your life. This is my spiritual life. This is my church life. This is my business life. This is my record. It, it's, it's, it's all one. And so, Paul, we're just going to work through the text, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. If I didn't tell you that, that's where we're starting out. We're going to go all the way to chapter 2, verse 4. We've got a lot to plow through tonight. Verse 12, for our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we behave in the world with simplicity, godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God. And so supremely so toward you. Paul is like, you know what? He's not even responding to them like they respond to him. Paul is just simply saying, you know what? I am living my life as a follower of Christ, and I am, I am following Christ, and grace controls my life. It controls my life, it controls my conduct, it controls the words that I say, it controls my response. I mean, it's, it, in other words, he said it's not earthly wisdom, it's, it's like godly wisdom, it's, it's wisdom from above. See, worldly wisdom tells you this, when you attack, you attack back. 
When someone looks at you and says, where's your faith? You look at them and say, where's your faith? This is hard to do, right? You begin to start defending. You see, Paul wasn't like this. Paul understood this issue of, 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 of godly wisdom, and he gives three words that helps us. His biblical definition of integrity that, that shows us the different movements of this issue of integrity. He uses the word conscience. That's, you know, that's that, that inner thing that, that helps you understand um, and reports back to you how, how, how like you're living your life, Right? I mean, Paul is like help, helping them to understand when he made this statement. He says, you know what? When I, in the evening, when I lay my head on the pillow, I know that I've conducted myself properly. I totally understand. You only know one side of the story. You may not have all the facts like I do, and as a result of that, when I go to bed at night, my conscience is clean. I have lived my life according to, to what God has called me to do. And he moves right into that simplicity. Now, listen, the ESV translates it simplicity a, a better word for us would be like holiness. And Paul is simply saying, I live my life on a different level. I live my life different from the world. I live my life separated from the world. It doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean we expect our, our spiritual leaders to be perfect, but we do expect them like to be different. To where we do have the right to expect that the general direction of their life is in them following God, in the grace of God to be separated from the flesh, to be separated from the world. Then he says, godly sincerity. And Paul takes these two words, holiness and sincerity, and puts them together, and he used godly sincerity. And, and it's, it's really a crazy deal, but, but, but when you look at the Greek word, it comes from a Latin word that means without wax. Um, actually, the Greek word means sun test. And listen, that doesn't mean anything to us, right? But in that culture, it did. See, in that culture, they had merchants, and these merchants would take this, this clay, and they would make pottery. And so when the, when the, when the, when the clay had been molded, and it was, it, was, it was in the oven, and it was like heating up, sometimes it would crack. And that, I mean, they're going to lose money. So what these merchants, not the merchants with integrity, what these merchants would do, they would take this hot white wax and they would pour into the cracks to where you could no longer see it when it was on their, on their display cases. But if someone comes along and takes it and takes that vase or that piece of pottery and puts it up to the sun, then all of a sudden the sun will shine through the wax and you can see all of the cracks. You can see all the imperfections. In fact, is a, a merchant that had a store on their logo or their slogan, if it was a place of high-quality pottery, would simply say, sun-tested. It has integrity. It's genuine. It's without flaw. And so Paul is saying, he's saying that I am conducting my life with unbelievable integrity and, 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 and of following him, not of perfection, but just integrity. The second thing is this, is we need leaders must be able to speak clearly. Leaders must be able to speak clearly. In these times, we have to communicate with one another. Sometimes we have to over-communicate with one another. It's really hard to communicate with masks on, right? Karen and I, uh, we celebrated just recently, well, this, this week, uh, we celebrated 37 years of marriage. And, and so, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's the, she should get the award. And so uh, I got the, I, I'm telling you, I got the better end of the deal. And so she gets, she gets the four stars. And so uh, 37 years of marriage, uh, we decided we'd never done this, and, and we'll probably never do it again. 
uh, we decided to, to shop together. We'd go and we'd buy each other hiking gear because we hike and we learned we shop different. I mean, I, I like to eat when I shop. I like, I mean, where's the food court now? I want now. And, uh, and so it's hard. And I mean, when she shops, she's on a mission. She is on, I wander around. She doesn't wander. She knows. She, she's, she's good. And so we tried to communicate through masks, and it's kind of hard, right? Because all you see is the eyes. I mean, are, are, are you grinning? Are you happy? Are you, what's going on? And so when you look at this and you realize that in crisis, we need to communicate and we need to speak clearly. Uh, verse 13, it says, for we are not writing to you anything other than what you read or under, and understand. And I hope you'll fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will boast of us and we will boast of you. Hey, leave back, you guys in the back, leave verse 14 up there. Watch this. This is, this is just for free. This is just for you tonight. This is a huge statement that Paul is making when he says that on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will boast of us as we boast of you. Here's what Paul's saying. I believe. I am leading my life in such a way, and I'm leading this church in such a way, even though you may not always agree with me, I believe that on the day of Jesus Christ, heaven, you're going to thank God I was your pastor, and I'm going to thank God for you. Unbelievable. This group of people are attacking him. And Paul is like, you know what? At the end, when all the dust settles, when we're in heaven, I think you're going to be thankful I was your pastor and at least told you the truth and at least spoke clearly to you. And at least unpack the scripture. And, and I'm, I'm going to thank God for you because here's the crazy thing. You know how Paul became unoffendable? Going through the most painful church experience of his life. It stripped some things off of him. He understood I don't have to defend myself. I, I don't have to get into those battles and when you look at this, you realize that not only do leaders have to speak the truth clearly, but leaders have to speak the truth with love. Man, so many times what you're saying may be true, but the way you're saying it is just hurtful, just painful. Verse Ephesians 4.15, Paul writes, and he says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every weight into him, who is the head into Christ. We've tried as hard as we could here at Fellowship of the Rockies to speak the truth in love and then to also speak the truth very clearly. That's one of the reasons that, that you know, our staff kind of laughs and we talk about it. But my whole ministry, I've always had the Fellowship Five, uh, mainly because Fellowship Five sounds good. And so we come up with five principles. Whenever we go through crisis, we talk about do not waste a crisis, God has given us this place. He, uh, he's given us this time and, and, uh, and such a time as this. And so we've always had the Fellowship Five. Whenever we've gone into crisis, we've developed a fi Fellowship Five. And so we developed a Fellowship Five in March when, when we went into quarantine and that whole deal. And then I, I want to update you on that in case you've forgotten um, and then give you a little bit more information as we just walk through this. And so here are the five things that we committed to and we promised you in March when we went into this season together. We said, you know what? We're going to walk through this crisis together. As long as you'll walk with us, we'll walk with you. We're just going to walk through this together. And so if you need us, uh, you can email us. You can call us. fact is, right now, if you're watching online and you need us, then there's a live prayer button. You just click that. Ministry partner is going to meet you in the virtual, virtual prayer room and text back and forth. We'll do anything we can to help you. 
We'll do anything we can to help you. And you can also, if you're watching online, you can go up and, and select Connect Card, and you can write us and communicate to us in person. There's a QR code in front of you. The Connect Card's going to come up. We've got pastors that will be in the And so we'll do, listen, we committed that we're going to walk through this together. The second thing that we committed to do is that we're going to help you and your family to stay spiritually healthy. We're going to continue to do ministry. We're just going to figure it out. I don't know if you know this. In our children's ministry, it's unbelievable what Pastor Matt is doing in family uh, ministries and family discipleship. We are shipping curriculum, children's curriculum, into the home to help mom and dad disciple their kids in the home. They can go on Facebook. They can see the, a teacher teach a lesson with their children, and then they can sit down with their kids. And guess what? Mom and dad, we, are doing, we think we're doing a better job discipling kids than we ever have because mom and dad are really engaged in that with us. And so we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at ways to do that even better. And then the, the other one that we did that I need to unpack, and then we'll move on, is we're going to continue to offer worship services. And we've done that online and in person, and we've done that since March. But here's where we're going to update this, because many of you are asking, because we're going into like this third wave, right? And we're watching the uptick, and we're watching everything, and some of you are a little bit nervous, wondering what we're going to do. Just, just hear me, and I'll unpack it. We'll never close Fellowship of the Rockies again. We'll never and let me, uh, let me help you understand what that means. We've learned a lot. And the uh, fact is, we're just not going to make it through this sermon. The <laughs> <laughs> fact is, I set our pastors down, and I think I would like, if I can figure out where it started. So we set our pastors down, and I, I put them in a room, and then did this with the elders, and then we're going to meet with deacons and elders later this month. And just put the pastors in the room. Hey, if you were the senior pastor, don't tell me what you think I want to hear. <laughs> this isn't a cult. You can have an opinion. So don't tell me what you think I want to hear. But what would you say to me about the future of worship services moving forward? And I'm, just, I'm not going to read their names because I don't have permission from them, uh, but I could. <laughs> you know, they said things like, I, I do believe we need to watch hospitalizations, COVID infections in our church and staff. Uh, we are not living in fear, but we're living in wisdom and being smart. Let's do church. Let's minister to people, to those who will gather. It's about shepherding congregations. It's difficult and proved to be impossible when we're doing online services only. The church... Greek word, ecclesia, called out. We're called out for something. Another one said, don't close the church. We want to keep people safe. What we saw when things shut down to keep people safe in the past, the people we couldn't keep safe were those who were struggling mentally, spiritually, emotionally. We saw depression increase. We saw addictions increase. We saw marriages struggle. We saw marriages blow apart. And, 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 and they didn't have a place to physically gather. They didn't have a family sometimes that they could gather with and, and watch a service. And, and uh, for a lot of people, this is their, their safe place. How can we live out Ephesians 16? Uh, not living in fear. We're living in wisdom and caution and grace. There's a difference between freedom and folly. Uh, we've been very careful. Our church has been very careful. That's why we wear masks in and out. That's why we re have reserve signs. We're even getting better at this. Um, one, one, one of our staff members said, hey, they, they watch alone, 
And um, I don't know if you've seen that, but that's when they put people alone in a, in a difficult area and it's survival deal. And so this guy was about ready to win the million dollars or whatever, and he bounced out, and he, there's his quote. He said, I'd give up everything, fame, all the money in the world. I, I just want to see my wife. And then he says, we weren't made to live alone. In fact, yes, God said that. God said it is not good for man to be alone. And some of you wives, you know that when you've left your husband alone for the weekend. <laughs> so I'll go out. <laughs> that's funny. And so uh, that's why it's real interesting. God created man and woman the same day. And when he created man, he says, that's not good. And he created a woman, he says, that's very good. I mean, because man should not be left alone. So anyway, go, we need to move on. I'll be getting in trouble. My email address is dwayne.arledge at Fellowship the Rocky. Not meeting together goes against everything that God's word teaches. Let's meet and protect one another. We are Fellowship the Rockies. Fellowship the Rockies is who we are. If we don't fellowship, then what are we doing? Uh... And so we came to the place, and then I, then I gathered our elders on a Wednesday night. I didn't read this list to our elders. I asked them the same question, and I sat there and grinned as we went around the room. They said but almost the same thing. And so here's, here's my commitment to you. We're, we're going to honor the government. We're going to work. We, we talk weekly with the health department. We're going to look at hospitalizations, and we're going to look at all of that. And if we, if we get to the place to where the, the hospitals can no longer care and all of those other things, then you know what? It may be a drive-in worship experience. We'll still do an a, a, a online experience, but we'll do a drive-in. We'll figure it out. Fact is, we have plans in the works. I'm not ready to announce it. That We're going to do a community-wide Christmas Eve candle light service. And we're going to make it a celebration. We're going to keep everybody safe. Uh, everybody signed off on it. We're pretty excited about that. And so the other thing that we said, we're going to serve you if you get sick. And we've done that. Now, we have done that. And we'll continue to do that. And then we said, we're going to help you to serve others. We've, we've made 6,500 phone calls. We've called through the rolls. Uh, we, we're in communication with people. We're resourcing people. And so that's my commitment to you as we continue to move forward. And so the third thing is this, is leaders must be transparent. Paul was criticized for changing his plans. Paul had told him, I'm going to stop by Corinth uh, and visit you on my, after, on my way to Macedonia, and then, he, and, and, and then stop by, back by on the, the, the other trip, and, and he didn't, and Paul changed his plans, and circumstances resulted in a change of plans. I don't, I don't know if you've ever done minist, uh, missions, but one thing about missions, uh, you've got to be flexible because plans change pretty quick. If you've been to, fact is, Karen and I, Saturday morning, we're talking about Africa. Uh, it seems like a lifetime ago, but, it, but, it, but we, were, we were just there into our, our mission in Mbezi. And so we'd like traveled for like two days or three days, whatever it was. We were flying into Bulawayo. Bulawayo is like, like a one-strip airport. I mean, it just kind of, you're flying. And so we, we got in this, this little plane, and after it was fumigated, 
to do whatever. I don't know what they were killing, but they fumigated the plane. And so we get in this plane, and we're flying, and the turbulence is like horrible. And listen, I've traveled thousands of miles with Karen, and so Karen is getting the barf bag out. And I'm like, oh, my word. And so she's getting nervous, and we're bouncing around. And so we go in to land at Belo The plane is descending pretty quickly. We see the runway. And then all of a sudden, we still don't know why, all of a sudden, the pilot pulled immediately up and gave it like all the gas, banked hard to the left. And I looked over to the stewardess, and she, she didn't even flinch. It was like, this is just business as usual. And so we're trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, I don't know if a cow was on the runway. I don't know if we had a flat tire. I don't, didn't know if the engine was going out. And so Karen's already struggling. And then Bob and Joan Thomas, they were sitting behind us. And Bob, in just a very serious tone, says, wow. That was not good. And so Karen's like, <laughs> like, you know what? A little bit of communication would have helped from the, from the pilot, right? I mean, isn't that what happens when, when the turbulence comes? You want a little bit of communication in your family. In, listen, I am learning. You have to over-communicate in this season. You have to over-communicate in relationships. You have to over-communicate in, in business. And, and Paul begins to communicate, verse seven, 15 and 17. He says, because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come to you from Macedonia and, and have you send me on my way to Judea. So send me on my way to Judea. That's how they practice hospitality when they went to the next place. Someone would travel with them to protect them as a relationship. That's what he's talking about. Verse 17, I was, vac- was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? He is totally being transparent and honest. He's not being defensive. He's not attacking them back. He's like, I changed my mind. You're transparent. You tell the truth. You don't try to spin it. He didn't try to spin it and throw the God card. God changed my plans. What is wrong with you? God led me. He says, you know what? I I changed my mind. I really believe we can accept it from leaders if leaders will just be transparent. If leaders will say, these are the principles that are guiding us. And these are the principles we're going to live by. The fourth thing is this, is leaders must be humble. You see this in Paul's life. His enemies have two charges against him. He's an inconsistent man, and he's a poor preacher. He's an inconsistent man, and he's an inconsistent preacher. And so now they're, they're like attacking his preaching. They're attacking his ministry. And here's the amazing thing. Paul was more concerned for the gospel than his reputation. He was more concerned that he'd be accused of breaking his word and changing his mind than he was this. Hey, I may have changed my mind. You may be accusing me of all this stuff, but I need you to know God is faithful. God is true. His promises are yes, yes. His promises are for you. Paul is trying to help them understand when a community is divided, the church has to be united. I don't know why it is that when crisis hits, sometimes Christians begin attacking each other. And they attack each other at this base level of this issue of, of whether it's your faith or whether it's your spirituality. And Paul talked about it in Romans 14. And Paul is saying, my preaching is true. For Christ is true. His word is true. His word, listen, it's the gospel that changes lives. It's not my word that changes lives. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes lives. That he came to this world fully man and fully God. He led a, led a sinful, perfect life. 
He went to the cross on our behalf. He took our sins on himself. He went to the cross. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again imperishable. And because of that, when we accept him, we can become imperishable. In other words, we live for eternity. And watch this. He goes on in verse 17, 18 and says, As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and, and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it's always yes. God is faithful and God is true. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. See, Paul had this issue of humility in verses 19 through 20. We don't have time to read it. Paul admitted that he just simply changed his mind. And he pointed to Christ as the one that's reliable. And, and he said, listen, I may have changed my mind, but Christ will never change his mind about you. We may be in a world that it seems like everything's changing, but guess what? We follow an unchanging God. And God's opinion of you will never change. God's love for you will never change. God's forgiveness for you will never change. Verses 21 and 22, it says, And it is God who has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Paul is saying, guess what? In Christ, we are his. We are, he, he sealed us. It's never going to change. The fifth and last principle, we are going to finish this. Le leaders must learn to relate to people. I mean, pe leaders must learn to relate to people. A, a true, listen, a true leader is able to see something from other, somebody else's perspective. This ability to be able to see the big picture. Verse 23, Paul says, he says, but I called God, I call God to, to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again. So you know, you know what? You know, Paul said, hey, here's the reason I changed my mind. Remember that last visit? That last visit was pretty painful. It was brutal. It hurt our relationship. The, the, the discussion didn't go well. And man, I talked to Timothy. And Timothy says, you guys haven't budged a bit. You haven't changed your mind, and I haven't changed my mind. So you know what? The timing isn't right for us to have this conversation. That ever happened to you in marriage? That ever happened to you in relationships? You have a disagreement. You have an argument. And you know, hey, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. And tomorrow camp comes, and you haven't changed your mind, and she hasn't changed her mind. And you say, you know what? If we talk about this again, it's not going to end well. Why don't we wait? That's all Paul is saying. That is all Paul is saying. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians 2.4, he said, look not only, listen, look not only on your own interests, but on the interests of others. That's why we wear masks. That's why we social distance. For many of us, not for ourselves, because we're really have no underlying health issues. We have no concerns. But it's for that one for that group of people, and I deal with them, that have underlying health issues or their kids have underlying health issues. And they've been told by a medical professional if they get, if they get it, it could be bad for them. So we pick up masks, we wear masks, but we don't want to keep anybody from stepping in these doors and gathering. Look, not only on your own interest, 
but we will willing to look on the interest of others. Verse 24, he goes on, and he says, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for we stand firm in your faith. Paul was unbelievable. Paul expressed, and we'll close with this, because we just cannot, we just cannot miss this. Paul expressed his care for them in three ways. This is one way we should express our care for one another. He expressed his concern for them. 2 Corinthians 2, 1 through 2. He said, listen, I'm not doing this for my own interest. It's for your interest. He says, for I, I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you, for I caused you pain. Who is there to make me glad but the one whom I pained? Paul was an apostolic leader. He was a leader of a church. He could have he kicked them out of the church. He could have rebuked them. How dare you? That, that wasn't Paul. Paul... Paul expressed his concern for them, and he was willing to admit that he needed them. There's a lot of leaders that build a wall around them, and it's like, I don't need anybody. I just don't need anybody. We can do that in relationships. We can do that in marriage. Like, I don't need anybody. And we, we have this John Wayne-type mentality that that's what it means to be a leader. See, that wasn't Paul. In fact, is 2 Corinthians 2.3 in the New Living, he says, this is why I wrote to you as I did, so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. He's talking about this. Surely you all know that my joy comes from your being joyful. I care about you. I need you. So he not only expressed concern for them, but then he, he, he says, I believe in you. Even though you're attacking me, even though you're accusing me of some pretty hurtful stuff about my faith and being spiritual and following God, even, listen, I just need you to know I, I still believe in you. Verse 3 says, and I wrote as I did so that when I'm, I, I came, I may not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy for you all. Paul was this guy that was sensitive to other people's needs. Paul understood encouragement. How often time in relationships, the only time somebody hears from you is when you correct them, when you criticize them. Hey, you could have done it better. You should have done this. How often does someone hear from you? Just encouragement. Just, just encourage. I, I don't think I've ever preached to a group where someone's raised their hand and says, you know what, my problem in life is I get way too much encouragement. <laughs> my family, my, somebody needs to back, back it down on the encouragement dial. <laughs> Paul understood, listen, oh my word, Jesus understood this. Jesus encouraged people continually. To the woman who was caught in adultery, just go and sin no more. You'll turn it around. To Simon Peter, if he denied him, if he failed, Simon, you're the rock. On this, on this rock, I'll build my church. To the uneducated disciples, remember the group? You guys have the responsibility to take the gospel into the world. I, I believe in you. Don't every one of us, especially in a crisis, need someone that says, I believe in you. I believe you'll get it right. I believe you fall. I believe you listen to him. 
the last thing he was willing, listen, he was willing to verbalize his feelings. Verse 4, he says, For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. We express love in so many ways of giving of gifts and appreciation, and, and, but in doing nice things for one another. But listen, let me tell you something. We need to learn to verbalize how much we appreciate one another. I told you, Karen and I, we celebrated 37 years of marriage this week. And I've been telling her for a couple of weeks now that, hey, after 37 years with you, I honestly don't know that I could love you any more than I do. But I need to tell you, my appreciation for you has grown. And I need to tell you how much I appreciate you. So many times, we don't just take the time to tell people just the little things that I appreciate about you. Maybe we're good sometimes at the big stuff. How about the little stuff? There are a lot of people that say, I love you. But it takes it to a whole nother level. When we look at someone in the eyes and say, my appreciation for you is growing. I have come to appreciate you even deeper. Walking through a crisis together, walking through difficulty together. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. When was the last time you just expressed your appreciation to someone that meant a lot to you? Here's what I appreciate about you. Fill it in. Paul was willing to do that. My appreciation is not only growing in my marriage, but in this church. And I just tell you how much I appreciate you and love you. I appreciate you in the way that you continue to just trust God with your money and faithfully give. We've continued to minister to people. We've continued to help. I appreciate the way that you've looked not only on your own interest, but the interest of others, and you've been willing to wear masks in and out. I know it's awkward. Put out social distancing cards. So we weren't a barrier to the gospel. I appreciate the way in which you worship him. I appreciate the way in which you serve him. I appreciate the way in which you serve one another. And I appreciate that we may be in a divided country, but our church is, is united. We walk shoulder to shoulder together in unity. And I thank you for that. Not every church can say that. Thank you for being here this weekend. Would you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Your heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? And what is your next step? Every one of us has a next step. 
What is God asking you to do? Is there someone you just need to have a conversation with? Is there someone you just need to tell them how much you appreciate them? Just a few minutes, I'm going to pray and maybe you would say, especially, I mean, it's another week in 2020, right? And maybe you would say, you know what, I, I, I just need prayer. Will you just lift your hand right now where you are? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out by name. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If you would just say, you know what, I need prayer. I need prayer in my business. I need prayer in my home. I, I need prayer just remembering that God is sovereign and God is in control. There's a lot of hands going up. If you need prayer, I just want to pray for you. Listen, this is a safe place. This is a place where if you need prayer, if you need help, if you need someone to come alongside of you, we're going to pray for you. We're going to help you. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, thank you for these hands that are lifted up. Father, thank you for your love and for your grace. And thank you that in the local church we can live lives differently in different relation with one another. We thank you for what you're doing in the life of Fellowship of the Rockies. I, I pray that you would give peace, that you would get comfort. Father, we may not know the details of these prayer requests, and we don't need to know because you know. And would you move in their lives this week in such a way that they would say it only came through you, and it only came by your hand. And Father, we thank you for the gospel. And we thank you that you are willing to come to this earth, live a perfect life, go to the cross, take on our sin, and be resurrected on the third day to the right hand of the Father. And one day, we'll see you face to face. But you promised us to never leave us or forsake us. And we look forward to see what you're going to do for we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you, would you stand with me, please? And as you stand, I just, just in closing, I just want to remind you, if you made a decision of any kind, we'd love to know about that. Online, you can use a live prayer button. <coughs> Excuse me. You can use a live prayer button, or you can fill out, click Connect Card, fill that out. we got a QR code here on the seat back in front of you. Uh, you can, for those of you that are techie, you know how to do that. If not, go get a child from the children's ministry. They'll show you how to do it. <laughs> or you can go out to the Welcome Center, have sanitized stuff for you to use. We would love to help you come alongside of you. May it make his face shine upon you. And this week, may you just know the peace of Christ in your life. God bless you. Thank you for being here.